Well, today we are starting a brand new series called One Thing. I don't know about your life, but it seems like life can get pretty cluttered. And sometimes it's hard to focus on the important things of life. Because there's so many other things that need to be done. But what if we focused on less in order to accomplish more? Or what if there was one thing that could change everything? Or what if you could bring clarity in your life one thing at a time? Those are the kind of things we're going to be looking at throughout this series. There are four or five places in the Bible where you will see this phrase, one thing. Four or five places in the Bible where there is one thing that is listed as something that is important in life. And we're going to look at those verses throughout this series. And today... I want to begin by simply telling you a story. It's a story of a man who came to Jesus one day for help. And listen to this. He came to Jesus for help one day, and he actually left in worse shape than when he came to Jesus. One of the few places in all the Bible that I know of, maybe the only place in in the Bible that I know of, where this man came to Jesus for help and actually left in worse shape. Interesting story. It's found in Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, would you open God's Word, or if you have your phone, just turn it on and find Mark chapter 10. I wish I could tell you this man's name, but he is not named in Scripture. But his story is given to us in Mark chapter 10, and in this chapter, beginning in verse 17, this man is referred to simply as a man. Uh, Mark doesn't give us his name, he says this, verse 17, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Now, in, in verse 17, he refers to him as a man. In verse 22, Mark gives us another little piece of information about him. Mark tells us that this man had great wealth. All right, so just put those two things together. Here's a man who had great wealth. And if we continue to put pieces together throughout the New Testament, we'll see that in Matthew chapter 19, verse 20, Matthew, in his account of this story, tells us that this man was young. And then Luke, in his account of the story, Luke 18, 18, tells us that this man was a ruler. He refers to this man as a ruler, which means he probably was a member of a council or a court of some type. So you put all of those pieces of puzzle together from the Gospels, and you'll find that this nameless man is often referred to as the rich, young ruler. That's where he gets that title. He's not named in Scripture, but he does have that title. Many people have given him the rich, young ruler. I want you to think about what he had. He had money. He had youth. He had power. He had everything that most people want. He had money, and he had youth, and he had power. But all of that can only take you so far. This man wanted something more than what his money and his influence could buy. He wanted more than what he found. And so we read the story beginning again in verse 17. As Jesus started on his way, a man, a rich man, a man who was young and a ruler, a man ran up to Jesus and and fell on his knees and before him. And here's what this man said. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What must I do to inherit eternal life? That's a question a lot of people are asking today. What must I do to have eternal life? You see, this man had everything that the world had to offer, but he knew that he also needed something that this world could never give him. He needed something that this world could never offer. 
And so he comes to Jesus with this question. What must I do? And you might want to underline that little word do. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Ken Blanchard said the difference between religion and Christianity, listen to this, is how it is spelled. He said religion is spelled D-O, do. Religion is a to-do list. Religion is all these things that we need to do or not do in order to have favor with God and hopefully make it to heaven. But the, one of the problems with a D-O or a do religion is when do you know that you've done enough? How do you know that you've done enough? That's what was worrying this man. Have I done enough? We're going to see in a little bit, he was very religious, he was very committed to his faith, but he was wondering, have I done enough? He was thinking in terms of earning his own righteousness. He was thinking in terms of, of trying to be good enough for God. That's what he was thinking in terms of. And so he says, what can I do to earn eternal life? Verse 18, why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except what, church? Except what? God alone. There's a little interesting play on words here. It may be that Jesus was looking at him with a smile and saying, let me ask you, before we get into your question, let me ask you a question. Why do you call me good? There's only one who's good, and that's God. Maybe Jesus was hinting. Do you, do you know who I am? Do you understand that I'm God in flesh? Then the conversation continues. Verse 19, this man asks for a list what should I do to, to inherit eternal life? So Jesus goes along with him and he provides him with a list. Verse 19, you know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. Uh, Jesus gave him a list of six things. He didn't list all ten commandments, but just for a reference point, he gave him a list of six of the ten commandments. He says, These, this is an example of the, some of the things you can do. Now, let me be clear. Those watching online and those watching in the Life Center, and you here, I want to be very, very clear about something. Jesus wasn't suggesting that we can do these things in the Ten Commandments and earn our salvation. The Bible teaches us that salvation is a gift of God's grace through faith. And the only way that any of us could ever be saved is, is salvation by grace through faith. But the reason that Jesus gave them, this man this list and said, well, you know the commandments, was because that's what this man had asked for. He had asked for a list. He had asked for a task. What can I do? So Jesus gave him one. Watch this. He gave him one to show him his sin. He gave him this list to show him his sin and his need of salvation. And this man responds, not with arrogance, but I believe with sincerity, when he says in verse 20, Teacher, he declared, all these have I kept since I was a boy. And when a Jewish boy turned 13, that's when he assumed responsibility for obeying the law. So what this man was saying, was he was saying, listen, I've been doing that since I was 13. I've been trying to live that way since I was 13. I've been trying to keep those commandments since I was 13. Since I was 13 years old, I've been trying to do the right thing and not do the wrong thing. That's the way I've been living since I was 13. Jesus, verse 21, I love verse 21. Jesus looked at him and loved him. 
the Living Bible says, Jesus felt genuine love for this man as he looked at him. In other words, Jesus saw how sincere and how earnest this man was. And as he looked into his life, Jesus loved him. Can I say to you today, he does the same thing for you when he looks at you? Can I say to you today, you matter to Jesus. Those listening online, those over in the Life Center, you matter to Jesus. See, let me tell you something. You might be messed up. You might be confused. You might be searching. You might be hurting. You might be empty. But I can promise you on the authority of God's Word that today when Jesus looks at you, He loves you. But listen, because He loves you, He has to tell you the truth. That's what He did for this man. He looked at him and He loved him. And then He loved him enough to tell him the truth. Verse 21. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, He said. My one underline. One thing you lack. That's the title of my message today. One thing you lack, He said. Go sell everything that you have. Give it to the poor. And you'll have treasures in heaven. Then come follow me. One thing you like. For this young man, his money represented the one barrier between him and God. His money was the one thing that was keeping him away from the kingdom of God. He loved his money more than he loved God. In reality, his money was his God. And he wasn't willing to give it up. Now, before we get too critical of him, could I say to you that if God said to you today, okay, if you want to be saved, here's the requirement. You go home and you sell that nice house you live in and you sell those two cars and you sell that truck and you sell that boat and you sell that camper and you sell your business and you sell everything that you have and you give it away, then you come back here and we'll do business and you can be a Christian. If God said that to you, do you think that would be an easy decision? Come on, that wouldn't be easy. There would be nothing easy about that decision. Now you can sit there piously and say, well, of course I would do that. And I hope you would. But if in reality you had to go sell everything that you had and give it away and then come to be a follower of Jesus, I'm just trying to help you understand that was a big decision. That was a hard decision. Go empty your bank account, then come see me. We'll talk about how hard that is. The reason I want you to understand this is because I want you to see what happened in verse 22 and feel the weight of it. Verse 22. At this, the man's face fell. He went away what, church? He went away what? He went away sad. He went away sad because he had great wealth. It was easy for us to sit in the stands and to criticize this man that he, he gave up eternal treasures for earthly treasures. It's easy for us to stand on the sidelines and say, I, I just don't understand how he could do that. But again, I want you to feel the weight of that decision. But here's the irony. He said, I've kept all of those commandments since I was 13. And ironically, the one he was not keeping was the first one. I shall have no other gods before me. 
See, in verse 21, it talks about two treasures. In verse 21, if you look at it closely, he talks about treasures in heaven, and it also talks about giving away your treasures. And in reality, this man forfeited his treasures in heaven for earthly treasures. That was the one thing. The one thing that was getting in his way between him and a relationship with God. Now let me be clear. Listen, I want to make sure that I'm very, very clear. In the Life Center, I want you to hear this. I was watching online. I want to be very, very clear. Listen to this. Jesus does not teach us that we have to sell everything in order to be a follower of Him. This is the only place in the Bible where Jesus said this. This, this is not something where it's like, okay, all of you go home, empty your bank accounts, and, and then maybe you, you'll be good enough to be a Christian. This, this is the only place where Jesus tells a man, go sell everything that you have, get rid of it, and then come be my disciple. That's the only place. But here's my point. He doesn't want us to sell everything necessarily, but listen to me. Listen. Jesus does want to make sure that there is nothing between you and God. He is willing to ask you to get rid of anything that has become more important to you than God has. So let me give you two lessons based on this man's story. As we take his story and apply it to our lives, let me give you two lessons. Here's the first one. Write this down if you're taking notes. Number one, there's a difference between commitment and surrender. There is a difference between commitment and surrender. Perhaps you have the same problem that this man has in Mark chapter 10. You're willing to be committed to God, but not necessarily willing to surrender to Him. You see, let me tell you a little bit about commitment. Commitment obligates you emotionally to something. For example, I am very committed to my wife. I'm very committed to the Tennessee Vols. I'm very committed to Mount Airy Baptist Church. I have willingly obligated myself to my wife Lisa. I have willingly obligated myself to be a fan of Tennessee. I have willingly obligated myself to be your pastor. I I have willingly obligated myself to do these things. This man was willingly obligating himself day after day to doing his best he can to follow the Ten Commandments. And he had been living that way since he was 13. He was committed. So committed that since the age of 13, he had tried to understand the commandments and he had tried his best he could to live by them. He was willing to be committed. But hear me, church. He was not willing to be surrendered. At least not in this one area of his life. See, the difference between commitment and surrender is this. Commitment obligates you emotionally. Surrender yields control to somebody else. There's a difference between commitment and surrender. He was committed enough to keep the Ten Commandments as best he knew how. But Jesus said, here's what I want you to do. Surrender. Go sell everything that you have, then come be a follower of mine. Let me help you get a handle on this. Would you reach in your pocket or in your purse or whatever? Would you find your keys? You probably got some keys with you. Would you find your keys, please? Just reach in your pocket or your purse. Even if you're watching online, would you do, go ahead and participate with us? Those in the Life Center, just jingle those keys over there. Let's just make sure you got your keys out. Let me talk to you about these keys for a moment. These keys that I have in my hand represent my life. There's a key to my house, which is that one. And then all of these are keys to the church. 
And then I've got another key ring, this, the key to my truck and the key to, to Lisa's car. These keys represent my life. And so long as I'm in possession of these keys, I have control over these things. And now, look at your keys for a moment. Here's what I... I'm not going to ask you to do this because of the COVID and everything, but it'd be fun if we could. We just say, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to pass a pot around. Everybody put your keys in the pot. And then we'll pass it around a second time. You just reach in and get you a set of keys. And then we're going to go outside and have fun seeing what car we're going to drive home. And we're going to have even more fun figuring out where our home is. And then how to get into that home. Now, if I said that to everybody, if I said, okay, let's do it. Let's just have fun. Just for a week. We're not going to do it forever. Just for a week. Everybody put your keys in the pot. Let's pass it around. Let's see what car we drive home, what home we live in. Let's just, come on, everybody, everybody pitch in for a week. I bet you there would not be one person here that would do that. Some of you say, you don't know the car I'm driving. <laughs> I'd, I'd, be happy, I'd be happy to pitch <laughs> I'd be happy to pitch it in there. Most of us would say, no, no, I, I, I don't want to give up control of these things. The other reason that sometimes people say, you know, I've I, I really prayed to receive Christ, but I got baptized, but nothing really changed. Could it be that maybe you still have the keys to your life in your hand and you're still in control? Could it be that you're committed, but you're not surrendered? Surrender is when you give God control. That's what he was asking this young man for. So sell everything you have, give it away. And come be my disciple. I want to see if you're willing to be surrendered. You've been committed since you were 13. you be surrendered. See, there's a big, big, big difference between being committed to God and being surrendered to Him. Watch this. Commitment means I'm still in control. You see, I can uncommit if I choose to. I can uncommit. I'm still in control. The keys are still in my hand. I'm still in control. I can be committed, but I can uncommit anytime I want to. Commitment might improve things in your life, but I'm going to tell you something. Surrender is the thing that really changes things in your life. There's a difference between commitment and surrender, and unfortunately that difference is eternal. I want you to read these words with me again in Mark chapter 10, verse 20. These sad, sad words. Oh, I'm sorry, verse 22. At this the man's face fell. At this the man's face, look up here, if you're watching online, watch this. At this the man's face fell, and he went away sad because he had great wealth. You know what he did? Put his keys back in his pocket. He walked away from Jesus. He still wanted to be in control. His money. You remember Ken Blanchard? I told you that Ken Blanchard said that the difference between religion and Christianity is how you spell them. He said, religion is spelled D-O. And then Ken Blanchard goes on to say, Christianity is spelled D-O-N-E. Done. 
Everything that you need to do to have a relationship with God has been done by Jesus Christ. You don't have to live a perfect life. You just have to yield control of your life to Him. And that's the one thing this rich young man was unwilling to do. He was willing to be religious. Kept the commandments as I was 13, but he was not willing to be surrendered. It may be that that is your life story as well. And you may be wondering, why hasn't my life changed? Why don't I feel any different? Why hasn't this worked for me? Maybe you still have the keys in your pocket. Maybe you're still insisting that you be in control. That is not a Christian. A Christian is one who says, I give control of my life to Jesus. That's why we call Him Lord. L-O-R-D. Lord means Master. The one who is in control. That's the first point. Here's the second point. Let me give it to you real quick. Number two is this. Just one thing can get in the way of, your, of you completely following Jesus. This fascinates me and it also breaks my heart. Just one thing can get in the way of you completely following Jesus. You see, you can do most things right and still miss heaven because of one thing you're unwilling to give up. It's possible to agree with everything that Jesus has ever taught and still there's one thing that you're not willing to surrender to Him. And that one thing can be the big hindrance the barrier between you and a relationship with God. What's the one thing that may be standing between you and God today? What's the one thing you need to let go of so you can have a, a life surrendered to Him? What's that one thing that is your barrier keeping you from a relationship with God? For the rich young ruler, of course it's obvious. His one thing was money. Your one thing may be money or it may be something else. Your one thing may be your pride. That's the one thing that's kept you from a relationship with God because you've been a, re a religious person for a long time. You've been baptized for a long time. You've been a member of this church for a long time and your pride has kept you from admitting that you've never truly been saved. That's your one thing. Your one thing that's hindered you from having a relationship with God. For some of you, it may be a relationship. There's just that one relationship and you don't want to give him up or you don't want to give her up and you know the way you're living is wrong and there's that one thing that's kept you from surrendering your life to Jesus Christ. Or maybe your one thing is your family. You're worried about what they're going to say or how they're going to respond. If you become a follower of Christ, you, maybe your family is of, of a different faith and, and you're wondering, you're, you're fearful of how they're going to respond to you. That's your one thing. That's the thing that's kept you from having a relationship with God. Or maybe your one thing is an addiction. You're just not sure you're ready to give it up. You're not sure if you can give it up. And that one thing has kept you from surrendering your life to Jesus Christ. Please don't let that one thing cause you to walk away from the greatest thing you could ever experience. You see, listen, just one thing can keep you out of heaven. One thing you're not willing to give up. One thing you're not willing to surrender. That one thing kept the rich young ruler from a relationship with God. That one thing kept him out of heaven. It was his money. This one thing can also send you to hell. Your sin is what sends you to hell. But that one thing that's standing between you and God, maybe that one thing is the thing that keeps you from surrendering your life to God. What's that one thing standing between you and Him? What's that one thing? 
you're going to look back one day and regret that you held on to it. I've been thinking a lot about this young man. And this is just speculation, but I wonder when he got near the end of his life, I wonder if he was sitting there one day counting all of his money and looking at his fine home and wishing he had made a different decision. Because he traded treasures of heaven for the treasures of this earth. That one thing, that one thing became a barrier between him and God. What's your one thing? Pray about that. Would you join me? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Would you be willing right now take those keys and put them in God's hand? Would you be willing right now to take that one thing that has been a barrier, that one thing you've held on to, that one thing that has grabbed hold of you, would you be willing to say, God, in the name of Jesus, I surrender. I don't want to just be committed in the name of Jesus. I surrender. I'm going to give you a chance to do that right here as we pray today. If you've never trusted Christ as Savior, you, you, you claim Jesus as your Savior and as your Lord. Surrender everything to Him. Surrender your life to Him. And so I'm going to ask you right where you are, whether you're watching online with me today, whether you're there in the Life Center or you're here in the sanctuary, I'm going to ask you to pray a prayer like this. If you've never prayed this prayer before, but you'd like to receive Christ as your Savior. Maybe, maybe your pride has kept you from this prayer or a person has kept you from this prayer. Or maybe like your rich young ruler, it's, it's money or something else that has had a hold of you and has kept you from praying this prayer and really meaning it. But today you're ready. Today you understand that you can hold on to it, but one day it won't be worth it. You can hold on to it, but one day it'll, you'll regret it. So today you're ready. Would you pray this prayer with me? Mean it from your heart? Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. And I've had this one thing that has kept me from a relationship with you. And today, I open my hand and I surrender to you. Today, I confess my sin. I repent of my sin. And by faith, I ask you to be my Savior. I believe you died on the cross for me and that God brought you up from the grave. And now, dear God, I give you this one thing. I give you my life. And I surrender to you. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for changing me. Thank you for loving me. In Jesus' name I pray. Every head still bowed, every eye still closed. Let me just say to you that if you've prayed that prayer with me today, I'd love for you to let me know. You can come to me outside. You can text me. You can email me. Call me. I would love for you to let me know that you've made that decision today for the Lord Jesus. I'd love for you to just stop by as I'm outside, out front. I know those watching online, you can't do that. Those in the Life Center, it's not going to be convenient for you as well. But you can call me. You can email me. Let me know made that decision today. Father, in the name of Jesus, we're grateful that you are Lord and you are God and there is none other. We 
trust in you and you alone for our salvation. In Christ's name I pray.